No, so good. Um, excited about being here this morning and, and getting a chance to continue our series that we've been in, uh, Hope, Healing, and Hurricanes. Um, with all the announcements, especially, you know, we have the men coming up on Tuesday. Excited about what God has done this last week. Just been a great week, I think, uh, being able to see things and participate in things. One thing that we didn't mention that was also uh, powerful is that uh, uh, our youth had taken off the month of August, like many of our ministries did, and they got together this Friday and they decided to have a, a picnic at the park and they played sports and they played games. And it was good to see all the young people out there having a good time and uh, off of their computers. And our youth leaders said, uh, they reached out to all the parents and basically said, hey, uh, what do you think about getting the kids out of the house? And the parents were coming out of the woodworks, man. <laughs> Driving by, they didn't even stop. Throwing the kids out of the car, like, yes, please take them. So uh, keep the youth in, in your prayers and uh, all the ministries that are going on. Uh, God's up to something. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, this series we've been in is, is Hope, Healing, and Hurricanes. And we started off uh, in week one uh, just with this idea that uh, hurricanes, storms are part of this life, but that we can find hope and we can find healing within those storms, right? That right in the center of the storm, right in the eye of that tornado, uh, we can find ourselves uh, looking out and crying out to God and that he's right there in the middle of it. He's not waiting for us and, and looking from the outside saying, are they going to make it out of this storm? And if they do, then I'll do something for them. Similar to the way that Mary uh, mentioned this morning, the woman with her two mites, she was in a storm. She was in the middle of something difficult. She was down to the last of what she had. And Jesus was right there within eyeshot of her watching her waiting to speak into her life, waiting to do something, waiting to use her circumstance to, to bless his disciples. Uh, so we talked about that in week one. And then in week two, we had the voice. Uh, we, we really tried to dive into this idea that we've got to stop talking in the middle of our storm so that we can hear God speaking in the middle of our storms. That if we can do that, if we can see what he's doing, if we can hear his voice, we can begin to move and act according to his direction. And again, this morning, you know, Mary sharing that we need the whole counsel of God. We need the word of God. We need to stand on the word of God. God is speaking and reminding us of the things that he's already said, but he's expecting us to act on those things. So, so far, so good. Um, I'm excited about what I have to, to share with you guys this morning, but I, I kind of want to touch on some of the things that that were shared about the event that we had yesterday. This this Feed Brea thing that came up. Uh, I want to show you the first picture here. This is the whole group of everybody uh, that came out to volunteer from all the churches. We were part of this thing called Feed Brea, and uh, it was coordinated. There was food distribution, and uh, it's going to happen every Saturday this month. So for those of you that can, that can see this, there's probably, I would say, like 100, 120, something like that, volunteers. 95 volunteers, so a good amount of people that came out uh, to serve and to help. Julia from our church, she was placed in charge of coordination and volunteers and setting everything up. So, so when I arrived, uh, at least three pastors came running up to me and they're like, hey, uh, that Julia, she's pretty good. She knows what she's doing. She's on top of it. She's organized. And I was like, yeah, they're like, she needs to run the church. I said, I received that. <laughs> More responsibility for her. But she was out there early. She was late with the youth on Friday night and the first one there on Saturday morning to serve out here at this, this volunteer event. And it was powerful to, to see that she was recognized and, and our folks were recognized. We had about 20 people from our church. So if you hear the numbers, 95, amen. We had about 20 people. So this is the group from, from our church that went out to volunteer, amen, and, and serve out there. It was powerful. Uh, if you're looking close, there's, there's two uh, people that don't belong to our church. They just want to belong to our church. So they jumped in our picture. But, uh, but it was great to see our folks come out and volunteer for the first week. 20 of the 100. And you recognize that we are a small church, but there's something in our DNA about serving. There's something in our DNA about going out and being a blessing and taking what God has done in our lives and taking it out into the world and out into the street. So it was, it was great to see that. However... I'm not sure how many of you uh, went outside yesterday, but the temperature was absolutely ridiculous. At one point in my car, the numbers stopped saying like 90, 95, 100. It just said gates of hell. <laughs> it was so hot. It was killing me. Those of you that don't know, I don't do well with the heat. Like, I start tripping. I start hallucinating. I start just acting very non-pastoral. And it was beginning to be one of those days. 
at, when we got there at 8 o'clock in the morning, it was already in the 80s. And when we left just before noon, it was over 100 degrees out there. Right? So what's the point? <laughs> when we came to volunteer, we were filled with excitement. We were filled with expectation. Right? But when we left, we were completely drained. Say drained. drained. Like there was nothing left. We had sweated out all of the excitement. <laughs> All of the expectation and anticipation was gone. We were directing cars. We were praying over strangers. And these strangers, it wasn't like a normal prayer meeting. You know when you come to a prayer meeting, like, oh, it's going to be so good. There's going to be incense. And there's going to be worship. And we're going to be praying. And God's going to move. It, it was prayer, but it wasn't like that. It was like these strangers that you don't know, you ask them, hey, is it okay if we pray over you? They say yes. And then all of a sudden, somebody will start crying and weeping in their car. Like, it's a significant spiritual thing that's going on. These people are broken and hungry for the most part. And they're coming to get filled with something, right? So we're having these directing of cars in the heat. We're praying over strangers. We're carrying boxes from, from uh, pallets and putting them into these cars. And it's just taking everything out of us, right? And the heat is unbearable. At one point, uh, Naomi, I've got a picture of her. Naomi looked like she was about to pass out. She wasn't even serving where we were. She was serving in another area. And they come saying, hey, your daughter looks like she's about to go down. So like, let's get her some snacks. We went to the van and we put her in the van. You can kind of tell, but that's not a two-tone shirt. It's just sweat <laughs> dripping all over this young girl. And like any good father, I said, I'll stay in the car with her <laughs> to make sure that she's okay <laughs> in the AC. So honestly, though, I only stayed in there for about five minutes and I jumped out to go to go back to serving. And strangely, all of the young people that were out there with us, they ended up in the van with Naomi to to take care of her for about 45 minutes. But she turned out to be all right. She was OK. The idea was, though, that it was just so hot and we were serving so hard and we were being drained on multiple levels um, that we needed help. Right. So we got home after this event and I struggled for the rest of the day. I was so drained, I couldn't do anything. There were some things that I wanted to do. Like, I had a plan in the morning. We're going to go do this Feed Brea thing. We're going to serve, and then I'm going to do all these things in a day. All these things never got accomplished. All I did was sit on the couch directly under the AC vent for the rest of the day. Just got up to eat here and there. So this series that we're in about hope, healing, and hurricanes, yesterday I was reminded how it feels to be hopeless within the middle of that hurricane. To be hopeless because that hurricane, that storm is so uh, overbearing on us that it just takes, takes all the hope out of us, takes all the anticipation of good things out of us. We feel like we want to do certain things, but we also feel like uh, the storm is preventing us. It's taken uh, all the energy that we have, all the hope that we have, and we feel drained. So this morning, what I want to try to do is see what the Lord has to say to us about dealing with the draining effects of storms, dealing with the draining effects of heat waves. Uh, so I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray over this message. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you again for bringing us into uh, another opportunity to hear your word, to be together, to worship, Lord, to seek after you, to have ears that hear and eyes that would see this morning, Lord. Many of us have come in and we've had that experience, Lord, and we may be in that season right now, Lord, where we are in a spiritual storm, we are in a spiritual heat wave, and all of the life, all of the energy, all of the uh, expectation and hope is literally being drained out of us, Lord. But we know that you go before us. We know that you saw this coming, Lord. We know that you also know the end from the beginning, Lord. You see what's ahead of us, and we just need your help this morning. Would you give us a vision? Would you give us a sign? Would you give us just a glimpse of what's ahead that we would not turn back, that we would continue to endure, Lord God, that we would not stand still, Lord, that we would keep moving forward, Lord, that our trust would be in you, Lord, like we heard this morning, that our faith would be in you, Lord, and that our actions would follow that faith, Lord. Help us to understand, Lord, that, uh, that you do have provisions even for this storm, that you do have uh, this refilling and replenishing even for this particular heat wave that we may be experiencing, Lord. We need you more now than ever, Lord. You're giving us these signs and these experiences, Lord, and you're allowing us to either experience them ourselves or be witness to those who are experiencing these things, Lord, that we would be prepared for what's ahead of us, Lord God, and that we would make a difference in those lives right here and right now, Lord. So have your way this morning in this place with this message. Would you speak to your sons and to your daughters? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. 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 
So the title this morning is Hope, Healing, and Heat Waves. Hope, Healing, and Heat Waves. It's hot. Say hot. hot. We got the AC on right now and I'm hot. I'm already sweating. We're in the middle of a heat wave. I was on a meeting, uh, uh, Zoom for work this week, and they said, hey, it's going to be record-breaking heat, so I immediately pulled out my phone and looked. We live in Chino, and it said 115 on Saturday and 116 on Sunday. I said, I don't know what we're going to do, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Deliver. We might end up in Walmart for like eight hours this afternoon in the freezer aisle. So hope, healing, and heat wave, what is the Lord's word for the draining effects of heat waves? Number one, be honest, be emptied, and be filled. Be honest, be emptied, and be filled. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be unwise, be wise. Know what the will of the Lord is for whatever your situation, whatever your storm, whatever your heat wave. The Lord has a will. The Lord has something that he's going to accomplish through this. The Lord has a way that he's going to bring you through this, right? And what he says is part of that is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. But we've got to be honest and we've got to be emptied before we can be filled. The Lord does not stop the storms from coming, and he does not prevent us from being drained and affected by the storms. Let me say that again. The Lord is not going to stop the storms from coming, and he is not going to prevent the effects of the storm from, uh, from taking place in your life. If it's raining, you're going to get wet just like everybody else gets wet. If it's hot, you're going to sweat like everybody else has to sweat. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to get wet, doesn't mean that you're not going to get hot, doesn't mean that you're not going to sweat. It's still going to come for us. He's not going to stop those things. What God says is he will fill us again when we've been drained. If you've sweated out all your energy, if you've sweated out all your hope, he says, I will fill you again. You can be filled. So the thought crossed my mind if we hadn't volunteered yesterday, we wouldn't have been drained. Right? I was sitting there on the couch thinking, why am I so drained? And I said, how did I get here? And what could I have done to not be this drained? And it was simple. Just don't volunteer. <laughs> don't go out there in the sun. Don't pray over people. Don't give out food. And then you won't be drained. You'll be home. You'll be cool. You'll be fine. The problem is that's not the will of God for my life. What ended up happening is I got drained because we did go out and volunteer. Then when I got home, I got some water, I got some food, and I got some rest, and then I was refilled and replenished, and here I am again this morning, ready to go again. I could have stayed home and not been drained and not done anything that is uh, what the Lord would have me to do, or we can do what the Lord wants us to do and then expect to be filled again. So I met a lady yesterday that pulled up in her car, and I asked her if I could pray for her while the food was being placed in her trunk, and she said yes. All right. So for some reason, the Lord uh, said to me to ask her if there's anything in particular that she wanted prayer for. You know, like I said, we're, we're out there, it's hot, so most of the time, if I'm, if I'm not putting the food in the car or trying to direct traffic, I'll go up to windows or something, you know, can we pray for you while the food is there? And then we just give this prayer, kind of like a generic prayer of blessing over the people, over the food, over wherever it's gonna go. But the Lord said, ask this one specifically if there's something that she wants prayer for. So I asked her, hey, is there anything specific that I can pray for you for? And she began to open up. Before she could open her mouth, she started crying, tears everywhere. And then she said, uh, my husband recently left me. He abandoned our, our son. And she said, I lost my job. I've applied for multiple jobs and I can't find a job. And it's like, dang. I just want to put some food in your car and give you a little generic blessing. But she's open and she's crying. We just begin to pray for this, this lady, right? As I prayed for her, I was heartbroken, like I'm sure you would be if you were the one that was standing over her and, and praying for her. But in my spirit, I'll be honest with you, I felt like, man, she's going to be okay. <laughs> she's going to be okay. It's one thing to say that because you're like, I don't want to have anything further to do with this bad situation. Oh, they'll be all right. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, uh, 
in the time of prayer and talking to God and looking at her and listening to her, in my spirit, I felt the Lord say, she's going to be okay. She's in the middle of a storm. I'm sure it was draining all of the hope out of her, you could tell. But she did some things that really impressed me and really inspired me. Number one, she didn't stay home. She drove out to the high school. She sat in line behind a bunch of other cars, however many we said, 800 something odd cars, wherever she was in that line. And she got herself some food for her and her son. Just like I said, for me personally, I could have stayed home instead of serving and then I wouldn't have been drained. She could have stayed home in her hopelessness and in her frustration and in her anger, right? But instead she said, I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna drive out here and I'm gonna go get this free food. I was impressed by that, I was inspired by that. The second thing she did, she was humble enough to ask for prayer and she risked humiliation to tell me the truth about what was going on in her life. Can you put up number one again? Be honest be emptied, and then be filled. She didn't roll up there and say, you know what, I'm in a desperate situation, so I'm at least gonna go and get this food, right? She's, she's hungry, she's gonna leave the house. No, she took it a step further and she said, I'm gonna be honest, you asked me what I need prayer for, my husband left me. There are people in this room that won't even tell a friend that they're going through something like that, that hide things from their own spouse, that pretend as if everything is okay in their life and we wonder why we continue to struggle. This woman was so honest, she risked humiliation. You know how humiliating it is to look another man in the eyes and say, you know what, my marriage is falling apart, my husband left me, he abandoned me, I can't even find him. Her honesty though, willing to be humiliated, she told me the truth about what was going on in her life and it was those two things. The fact that she's willing to get up and keep going and keep moving and the fact that she's willing to be extremely honest about her situation like she's going to be okay i know how god works those are the ones that get through their storm the ones who stay home you stay in the storm the ones who lie about their situation and circumstance nothing changes matthew chapter 15 verse 22 it says behold a woman of canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying to jesus saying have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. That's her need. That's her storm. That's her heat wave, right? But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, uh, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then, say then. then. Say then. then. Say after all that. <laughs> then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So the first thing it says is that this woman is from Canaan and she traveled from that region. She found Jesus and she began to cry out for mercy. It sounded a lot like the woman I met in her car yesterday. She came from some other place all the way up to the high school and she cried out, I need food. Lord, help me. Then this woman, she risked this humiliation. All these people are talking about her. Jesus said, get out of here. The disciples said, get her out of here. But she was willing to be humble. She was willing to be humiliated. She said, listen, I need help. I know that you're the only one that can help me. My daughter is in this situation. I'm telling you, it sounded just like this woman who was telling me, this is what's going on with my husband. This is what's going on with my son. This is what's going on with my job. I do need prayer. I do need help and I need it now. The woman in this story got her blessing. God responded. God helped her. He said, your faith, oh. Let it be to you as you desire. Your daughter's healed right now. I don't know if it happened yesterday, but I believe with all my heart that there's going to be a testimony from the woman I met yesterday that God is going to restore. God is going to fill. God is going to change her situation and circumstance. Why? Because she has the same heart, I believe, that this woman had and operating in the same way that this woman was operating. I think there's too many Christians living their lives in a way that is ultimately an attempt to stay home to keep from being drained. When you look around the church, when you look around Christians, there's too many of us who are trying to stay home, trying to live in a way that just keeps us from being drained. 
We want a nice equilibrium. We want our lives to be set to 73 degrees, right? We don't want to get too hot. We don't want to get too cold. We don't want to give too much. We don't want to go too much. Don't go to too many church services. Don't do the men's thing and the women's thing. Don't do the couple's thing. Don't go to that extra worship night. Don't go to the prayer meeting. Don't give too much. Like We want to be in that space of like, don't get drained. And we lie to ourselves to the point where we convince ourselves that that's actually what God wants too. That's a lie. That's not what he wants. He wants us to be honest. Then he wants us to actually be drained, be emptied, and then he will refill us. There's also too many Christians who are really struggling, but aren't willing to get the free food that's out there. Right? They're not willing to be open and honest and humble about how real the struggle is. They'd rather stay home hungry than be seen in a line full of people trying to get free food. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have been there? You know you want something, you know you need something, but you don't want to be seen as in need. You don't want to call somebody and say, my marriage is struggling, help. It's crazy to me, but I understand it because that's what the enemy does to us. He makes it about image. He makes it about a, a Facebook or Instagram life that you're trying to present to the world. That's not reality. When God's saying there should be a whole bunch more people in that line for free food and not ashamed that you need to be in that line. Because those are the ones that are going to get fed. It was funny because even yesterday, the, the, the intent of this event is obviously people in need. But there were a couple Teslas that came through. There were a couple Audis that came through. I was like, you don't need this food. But you know what? At the same time, if the hungry ain't going to come get it, you know the Lord talks about that? He said, look, I gave some one, I gave some five, I gave some ten. If you took that ten and you multiplied them, I'm going to give you more. So if the people who really need it are too prideful to come and get it, the people that are going to use it and take those blessings and let them multiply, well, why shouldn't they get it? At one point out, they were like, we have so much food, let's just start. If they want it, let's give it to them. We're giving you two boxes, we can give you four if you want it. Why? Because people are too prideful to say, man, I'm in need. We end up with people living empty and living hopeless, and we also end up with a group of really civilized, well-off, well-air-conditioned Christians that are of no use to the Lord. Perfect equilibrium, having gone too much, having given too much, having sacrificed too much, having sweated too much, but I'm of no use to the Lord. <laughs> because in order to be used by the Lord, I'm gonna have to be poured out. I'm gonna have to actually be emptied of the things that I've been trying to acquire. And at the same time, there's this group of people who have significant needs and they stay in that place of need because they won't be honest about their need. It's a sad state for the church. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink. 
nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have. Give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think God is hilarious. He's so funny, the way he talks to us. A couple things I feel like he's trying to say to us this morning. One is that being empty and hopeless is not the problem. Not being honest about our emptiness and hopelessness is the problem, right? He's like, I don't have a problem with you being empty. I don't have a problem with you even feeling hopeless. I just need you to be honest about that. I think he's also saying that he intends to use the blessings he's given to some to meet the needs of others. That may sound shocking. Some of us, we get excited about that. That sounds life-giving. It stirs up hope in us. It stirs up love in us. We're like, yeah, God is going to bless people so that he can take those blessings and bless other people. That's exciting. That's life-giving. That's like, oh, this connection with God and this connection with one another. It sounds like he might even give a commandment like, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. It sounds like it's all lining up. And others are like, man, that sounds like socialism. And it sounds like you want to take what I got. This man with his barns, he had crops coming up more than he knew what to do with, and that's coming from God. It's God's seed, it's God's water, it's God's fruit. And he says, I've been so blessed, what can I do, what should I do? He says, I'm gonna tear down the small barns I have, I'm gonna build bigger barns so I can put more of my stuff, more of my stuff, more of my stuff, more of my stuff, I've got so much stuff, eat, drink, be merry. And God's like, where did you get that idea? That's nowhere in my scripture. I gave you all that so that you could be blessed, but so that you could be a blessing. Just like I said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Why? So that you could be a blessing. For those of us that aren't inspired by this idea of God blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others, and instead we consider it some type of oppression and some type of, of socialism, let's just, in the long run, let's look how that works out for you. And then let's look at how the plan and the will of God works out. Let's see which one leads to hope and healing and which one does not. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I'd rather do it God's way. The heat's coming. The storm is coming. Some of us are going to be struggling. Let's be honest. I'm struggling. I'm depleted, right? I got nothing left. And then there's others that God is saying, okay, well, then you take what you've got and go serve those. Man, his way is so good for everybody. Let's look at his way a little bit more. Number one was be honest, be emptied, and then be filled. But in order to do that, let's look at the filler. How is that going to actually take place? What does that look like? Please believe me, this is much deeper than I've got a little bit and I can give it to somebody else. I've got a few dollars to put into this. I've got a tithe to put into the basket. This is really more a global theme, a universal theme of what God is doing and how he, how he moves and shapes and meets needs and changes us and transforms us. So how does he do that? He is the filler, right? <clears throat> we need to understand that life, no matter what, is going to drain us. I was telling Mary this week we had a really good exercising week. Right, the kids are back in school, so we said every day, 6 o'clock, we're up, we're going to exercise. And we were talking, I said, look, what we've learned is come 12 o'clock, we're going to be tired no matter what. Whether we exercise or not, at 12, we're, we're both tired. So we might as well get up and exercise. We're going to be drained no matter what. We're going to be drained, and God is going to use those who he blesses no matter what. That could be depressing if we didn't know that our God refills and our God replenishes. If we were to ask ourselves this morning, what are some of the things that the Lord likes to do? Uh, I think we would come up with some, some great ideas, right? Like he likes to bless. He likes to show up. He likes to laugh. He likes to eat. He likes to fellowship. He likes to teach. 
Like we can think of a lot of the, the, the character of God, what we see, especially in Jesus, where we can say, man, we know his M.O. We know what he likes. We know what he doesn't like. Right. I think that many of us, though, we would miss the fact that he likes to feel things. If you're taking notes, write that down. God likes to feel things. I'll give you a test. Ask people, what does God like to do? And see if any of them say God likes to feel things. You'll be able to do that after this morning. So one of the greatest gifts, I think, in all the New Testaments, what we see is that the believer receives a filling with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.21 it says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This is one of the greatest gifts. God says, listen, I'm going to save you. I'm going to give you eternity. I'm going to give you new life, but I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, your heart with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take your pastor's word for it. You don't have to take your friend's word for it. He says, I'm going to actually... Physically fill your heart with my spirit, the spirit of God. We see that in the New Testament. If you, you can't read it without recognizing that God fills the lives of believers, right? But it's not a new thing for God. It's not something that he just started doing with Jesus. It's something that we see from the beginning. So that's where we're going to go. Genesis chapter 1. If you're with me, say the beginning. Beginning. Say the beginning. Oh, there's like three people. We could do better. Genesis chapter one. You don't even have to flip. It's going to show up on the screen. You have it on your phone. Say the beginning. The beginning. Amen. We're, we're talking about the filler, the one who likes to fill. Genesis chapter one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Or excuse me. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Let's stop there. What do we call this when we speak Christianese? What is this? Amen. There's like three of you again. The creation account. You guys got to read. You guys, come on now. It's called the creation account, right? God is creating, God is bringing things into existence, God is speaking things into existence. But watch this, verse 2 said, the earth was without form and void. The earth was without form and void. If you look at everything that we've seen so far in the first three days of creation, right, it's void, it's empty, it's depleted, it needs something, it needs to be what? It needs to be filled. <laughs> There's creation already. There's amazement and shock and awe and let there be light and boom, light. <laughs> Day, night, seas, land, all this stuff, right? But it's formless and it's void and it's empty. Let's see about this filling. Keep going, verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so 
Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. See, the heavens had been created, but they needed to be filled with exactly what God wanted to rule over the heavens and to live in the heavens and to operate within the heavens. Right. Why? Because God loves to fill things. God is a filler. He's got the heavens already. He's got day and night already. But what he says is, man, I need a sun. I need a moon. I need stars. I'm going to put them on all these rotations and they're going to live in that space and they're going to rule over that space and their goal, their task, why I made them is going to operate within that space. I'm going to fill that space with these things. Verse 20. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the, the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Same thing here. God says there's waters above, there's waters below. He says, I'm going to put these birds underneath the waters above, right? So they're flying in the air. And then he says, I have all these seas. I'm going to fill them with all of these sea creatures, great ones and small ones. Why? Because it was there already. It was created, but it needed to be filled, created it for a purpose. And the purpose was that it would be filled with exactly what he wanted to be in that area, to rule in that area, to live in that area, to operate within that area, right? See what else he does. Verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and the beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now God fills the earth, the land animals, creeping things. Why? To rule over the earth, to live in the earth, to operate within that space that he had created for him. He fills the, uh, the land. Right? Again, hopefully we get it. We see this point that God definitely has creation. He's made spaces, but the spaces themselves are not nearly as valuable until they're filled with the things that are intended to be there, to live there, to, to rule over those, those areas and to operate within those areas. So watch this, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man. It's good. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Wow. Our turn. So good. He says, I'm going to make man and I'm going to give him dominion over everything. Everything else had a specific place that it was created to fill and it went there and it's like okay you have this dominion and you can live there you can rule there you can operate there then he creates man and he says see all this all these different areas and separation i'm going to give you dominion over all of them you need to rule over all of them you can go into all of these places fill all of those places have dominion have authority right but something seems to be a little bit off here because it's not that same specific way of creating something and then something specific that goes in there to fill it. Man seems to be just something's different about us. And honestly, it's a little bit off with this creation account and this filling account. Let's see what the shift is. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but if you get to Genesis chapter two, I'm just going to read verse seven. What's different about us? It says Genesis two, seven. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. What's the difference? With man, 
Man is the creation, and man is intended to be filled with the breath and the life of God. See, when you read through the rest of the story, at first we feel like we are the filling of everything else, like a further filling. He created everything, and then he filled it, and then he has us, and he's like, just let's fill everything more. Like, you're supposed to be there and, and rule over things and live over things and have this dominion. But then if you keep reading, it's, it's actually different. We are the creation, just like he created the heavens and the earth, just like he created the sea and the land, right? We are the creation. He has created us to be filled with his life, with his breath, with his spirit. So back to these storms and back to this depletion, right? And back to this feeling of being drained and this idea of being used. God is saying, yes, you are going to be poured out, but I created you to be filled with me, by me, with my breath, with my spirit. If we try not to be emptied, we're completely going against the will of God for our lives and we will not be filled. That's what you were created for, to be filled. Not a one-time filling, an ongoing filling. Read through your New Testament and see how many times Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He's poured out. He's pouring out his life. He's pouring out his effort. He's sweating and bleeding. bleeding. He's being arrested. He's being beaten. He's being almost killed. Poured out time and time again. But every day he's filled again and renewed again and set free again to keep going back into those places and sharing the good news of Jesus. If you don't want to be poured out, if you don't want to be used up, if you don't want to give into the things that God needs, those that he's resourced, those that he's blessed to meet the needs of those that are struggling and have not, then you can't be part of the kingdom because that's how the kingdom works. He created in us a new life. He, we were born again so that we could be filled with the spirit of God so that he could use us as he sees fit. That's the plan. If that's the vision we have, we will see the heat waves and the storms differently. John chapter 20, New Testament, verse 21. He's talking to his disciples. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Right? Before we even go any further, <laughs> he says, as the Father sent me, I sent you. Well, what did the Father send Jesus for? to suffer, to sacrifice, to die, to travel, to be poured out, to be beaten, to be spit on. And Jesus says to the disciples, as he sent me, that's how I send you. So get ready to be used up. What's the song say? If it feels this good being used, go ahead and use me up. That's a Christian song now. That's what Jesus says to his disciples in verse 21. Listen to what he says in verse 22. When he had said this to them, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I love the, the connection between when man is first created, right? It says that God uh, breathed life into his nostrils that we get Adam. He became a living being. And now in the New Testament, when you are born again, when you are about to be sent out to, to, uh, to do the will of God with your life, it says that Jesus breathes on them and says, receive my spirit, be filled. I know you're depleted. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know it's hot. I know you're sweating, but be filled, be filled, be filled. And he breathes on them. Church, we've got to be filled with the spirit of God, but we also have to continuously be poured out. It's not like our goal should not be like the man with the barn is, man, how can we get this thing filled all the way up and then close the top so nobody can take what I got? And if I get more, I'm going to go get more bottles or I'm going to get a bigger barn. I'm going to try to get that filled up. That's not the, 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 the plan that God intended. He says, I want to fill you up and then I want to pour you out. And then I want to refill you. If we get that, we never have to be hopeless, even when we're drained and when we're empty, because we know the character of God. We know that he's a filler. We can testify that he continues to fill us up. I do want a show of hands. How many of you, since you came to the Lord, have been in a place where you felt like you could not go anymore? Look around. The fact that you're here today means <laughs> that when you thought you could do no more, he was able to fill you again and you can keep going. That's who he is. He is the filler. I'm going to close with this last scripture. Um, Isaiah, you can go ahead and come. Romans chapter 9, verse 20 says, But indeed... Oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? 
Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Why do I want to share that with you? I feel like the Lord in, in Romans here is saying, who are we to say, Lord, we don't like your plan of being poured out and having to be refilled again? <laughs> Lord, who, who are we to, to think that we could operate in another way where we don't have to be poured out? We don't get to do that. He's the potter. He's the filler. It's his plan. He established it in Genesis. For us to see, he established it long before that in his own heart and in his own mind. And we just have the opportunity to operate within it. And these are the two options you have. You can go with his plan and be a vessel for honor, or you can go with your plan and be a vessel for dishonor. The vessels for honor will be poured out according to his will, and they will be refilled according to his will. The vessels for dishonor will do what they want to do, when they want to do, how they want to do it. And a life will be wasted. An opportunity will be wasted. <clears throat> so what does this have to do ultimately with hope and healing and heat waves? It's hopefully an encouragement to you that he will fill you in your hopelessness. That's not the problem. Like he sees hopelessness, he's like, yes! I've got a ton of hope. I can't wait to feel it. But you've got to be like that lady that came driving up. She almost had a flag outside of her window saying, I'm the hopeless one. I'm the one that needs to be filled. I need food and I need prayer. And I just believe that God will come into those spaces because of who he is and he will fill and refill and do it again and again and again. You were made that way. The whole point of your life is that God created you to be filled with his spirit, with his life, with his love. We're not the heavens that, that need stars in us. We're not the sea that needs fish. And we are not the land that needs animals. We are the creation of God that need to be filled with the life of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. What a great thing it is to know that because it's God's plan, he's the potter, you're the clay, you're the vessel. When you're empty, you have the right and he expects you to come to him and say, Lord, fill me up. That's the expectation. The Bible tells us to come to the throne of grace, to expect grace, to expect mercy when we come to our father because of what Jesus has done for us. If you're empty in any way this morning, you can expect and you should come to God saying, Lord, fill me up. I'm the potter, or excuse me, Lord, you're the potter, I'm the clay, I'm empty, you're the filler, let's get it going. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. But first, before we open the altars and give everyone a chance to respond and to talk to the Lord, like always, the first response is for that first salvation. I'm looking around the room, I know most of you, but I don't know every heart. <laughs> but the Lord does know. You know, the, the woman that came to Jesus and said, I need this help. This is my storm. This is my heat wave. My daughter, he knew already, but he also knew all the hearts of those that did not come to him. He knows everything. So this morning, the, the, the ask that I have for you, the request I have and, and my heart's desire for you to respond to is, you know, what's the honest situation within your heart, within your soul, within your mind? when it comes to life, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being filled with the love and the confidence of Jesus. In the beginning, he breathed into the nostrils of Adam and Adam had life and Adam had eternal life, Adam had hope. But at some point, Adam denies God, doesn't trust God, walks away from all those things and it says that he began to die. That life was gone. The only way to get that life back is Jesus. Jesus has to breathe the Holy Spirit into us as we repent, as we acknowledge, Lord, I am without life. I am without hope. I am a sinner. I can't get out of this thing. Jesus, time and time again, he breathes the Spirit into those who would be honest and repent. He did it with his disciples. He's done it with me. He's done it with countless others here in this place. I just believe that he wants to do that for some of you this morning. If he hasn't, Oh, the breath of life is so good. It's like nothing else you've ever received in your life. It's a guarantee of your salvation. 
But you've got to be honest and you've got to be willing to be emptied so that you can be filled with new life. He won't put new life on top of your old life. He won't put new wine into an old wineskin. He'll give you a whole new life. He'll breathe it into you. But you've got to be willing to be emptied. So would you all bow your heads, close your eyes, be praying for your own salvation, for the salvation of others. If you're here in this place and you want to receive that, you know you're empty when it comes to the life of God, the indestructible life, the eternal life. You know that you don't have it, but you want it this morning. It comes through repentance. All those who would put their trust in Jesus will have eternal life. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can see you? Just going to raise your hand. I see you, sis. Is there anybody else? Join our sister this morning. Eternal life, salvation, breath of God, spirit inside of you. Hallelujah. Anybody else this morning? Would you be praying for them? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for our sister that she would have confirmation. Your word says that you've sinned your Holy Spirit, you breathed it into us so that we would have a guarantee of our salvation, that we wouldn't have to keep asking, we wouldn't have to be unsure about that, Lord God. That's our desire for our sister, that's our desire for ourselves, Lord, that we would know you, that we would have confidence in that salvation, in that life that was not in us at one point, but is in us now, Lord. We're so grateful for her. We're so grateful that you still speak, that you still care, that you still fill with your spirit, Lord God. So good this morning, Lord. For the rest of you, I'm going to open the altars, and these are the two things I want to pray for. Anything that, that ministered to you, you're fine to come and to, to receive prayer, just like the woman that, uh, that pulled up her car, and she was humble and asked for it. But here's the two things. One is to be honest about your emptiness so that you can be filled. It may not be in every area of your life, but it may be one of those hurricanes where every area of your life, there's just this depression or this frustration or this emptiness. But for some of you, maybe there's just one specific area, two specific areas where you know you feel empty, you feel drained. Would you be honest with the Lord this morning at the altar and recognize that it's okay to feel that way? All you got to do is be honest, be fully emptied, and then he will fill you up because that's who he is. And then for the others, the thing I want to pray for is those of you who need to be inspired to be poured out. God has filled you. God has blessed you. God has given unto you. God has met every need that you have. But in your heart, maybe you know this morning that you're building bigger barns rather than pouring those things out on the needy. The needy in your own home, the needy in the church, the needy in the homes of others, the needy, the needy at your workplace. Like who knows but you. But it's so easy to not want to be poured out, to want to stay in that equilibrium, to want to stay in that 73 degrees. God says, no, I want... <laughs> I want you to be poured out, but trust me, I'm going to fill you up. So the altars are open. We're going to pray for you guys, and we're going to worship. Lord, thank you for those that would be honest about their emptiness. Thank you for those that need to be encouraged and inspired to be poured out, Lord. Keep bringing the heat. Keep allowing the storms, Lord, that we would be changed and transformed. Remind us, Lord, that you are the creator, but you're also the filler, Lord, that you've created us to be filled with your spirit. Let us be open. Let us be honest, Lord God. Let us be empty that we would be filled again. Let us set our eyes on you as the filler, the great one, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We need you, Lord. The, the, the world needs those who are willing to be poured out now more than ever, Lord. Use us up, Lord. Fill us up again and then use us up again, Lord. We love you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.